This morning, I preach to you the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ as it is revealed to us in John 10. John 10, uh, starting at verse 22, continuing the series of sermons on John. That's page 896. Bible in the pew in front of you, page 896, John 10. You remember that John 10, verses 1 to 21, is when the Lord Jesus reveals himself as the door and the good shepherd through whom we have life. And then starting at verse 22, we read, At that time the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you, not, you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the sermon that our Lord Jesus gave in the second part of John 10 took place while the Jews were celebrating Hanukkah, the eight-day feast of dedication, or actually rededication, because this feast commemorated the rededication of the temple and the first use of the newly constructed altar after Jerusalem had been invaded and the temple had been defiled 
by another king who offered sacrifices to Zeus in the temple. For three years at that time, the Jews had fought against Antiochus Epiphanes, the name of the invader. And finally, about 164 years before the time of our text, the famous savior of the Jews, his name was Judas Maccabeus, also known as Judas the Hammer, he redeemed the nation of Israel. And so the Jews that were surrounding Jesus as he was walking down that 40-foot outdoor patio corridor with a row of humongous 38-foot pillars, that's the colonnade, they were all in suspense. They came around Jesus and they they were wondering if perhaps Jesus, this new miracle worker, could be a new kind of hammer to rescue the Jewish nation from the Romans. You can see that they were eagerly hoping for this uh, already in John 6, verse 15. And as we stop and think about all that our Lord Jesus said to the Jews to further explain who he was, we are amazed by the clear statements that he makes about being united with God the Father in heaven and being more powerful than than any other force in heaven or on earth. What an answer. Infinitely better than Judas the hammer who destroyed the invading Greeks so that the Jews could enter their temple once again. Jesus Christ was the shepherd who would give his life for the sheep so that everyone who believes in him could enter the eternal, heavenly temple to dwell forever in God's presence. The gospel message of John 10 is that all believers can be assured without a doubt that nothing in heaven or on earth will be able to separate them from the sovereign triune God's eternal love and care for them. God the Father and God the Son are one. So, like we sing in the well-known hymn 56, a lot of children know the hymn, nothing can God's power withstand, none can pluck them from his hand. I preach to you this gospel Under the following theme, believers are secure in the hand of God the Father and God the Son. We'll see first that the Father and the Son are one in their love for their sheep. And secondly, the Father and Son's hand is the one place for the sheep. So the Jews were wondering who Jesus was. And the first thing that Jesus explained to the Jewish questioners is that he carries out the works of his Father. He does all the miracles in the name of his Father. John 10, verse 25. Just as the best way to see that someone on your side is in a battle is to see which way they're pointing their guns, also the best way to see that someone comes from God the Father is to see him doing the Father's work. We read about the Father's work in Isaiah 41. And when Jesus talked about the Father, 
Everyone knew that he was talking about the divine, sovereign, almighty God of the covenant who reveals himself throughout the Old Testament. He is the Father who showed his loving power when he created the universe, when he rescued his people Israel from the slavery of Egypt to bring them into the promised land. He is the Father who dwelt among his people in the temple so that they could worship him. He was the Father who brought them out of exile and restored them again so that they could worship him in his temple once again just as they were celebrating in the Feast of Dedication. The Father spoke words of comfort to his people even in the midst of their sin and rebellion like we read in Isaiah 41. Verses 10, and verses, verse 13, verses 10 and 13, where the Father tells them not to fear because he holds their hand and he helps them. Well, the miracles that our Lord Jesus did reveal the Lord, the Father's continuing desire to dwell in the midst of his people in order to bless their lives to bless their worship. Just in the Gospel of John, we read about our, that our Lord Jesus cleansed the temple. He turned water into wine. He fed thousands of people with just a few pieces of bread that he multiplied. He healed a man born blind. He showed to the people what it really means to keep the law of God perfectly. John carefully chose to write about these specific signs that Jesus did to glorify the, the holiness and the compassion and the power and the love of his Father in heaven, which shows to us very clearly that he is the Son of God. And so when they pick up these stones, and they say the stones were quite big, that they picked up to, to stone someone. When, when the Jews picked up these stones to, to kill him, while well, his question to them is important. He said, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And Jesus' point is that all the work he has done in the Father's name all the work has been, has been a rich blessing for the people of God. It has been a clear fulfillment of the Father's promise to love Israel with an eternal love, to, to hold their hand like we read in Isaiah 41. And this point of Jesus doing the Father's work is so important that, that he ends this public discourse, this sermon, by telling everyone to make sure they don't miss out, miss seeing the amazing love of God their Father being displayed by the miracles that he was doing just because they were stumbling over Jesus' claims about himself. You can see that at the end. He says, you know, see the works. Even if you don't believe me, see the works. See my Father. And Jesus did not want to obscure the Father in any way. But at the same time, Jesus does not leave them guessing about how 
he could do all these divine, loving, and gracious works. In a previous sermon that we can read about in the earlier part of John 10, the Lord Jesus explained that the the Father gave Jesus Christ, his Son, the charge, the commission, to lay down his life for the sheep. You can see that in John 10, verses 17 and 18. An even more detailed explanation of this divine commission can be seen in our text today. Look at verse 36. The Lord Jesus explains that the Father consecrated and sent his Son into the world for us. The word consecrated points to a special setting aside or appointment. And this verse reveals that it took place before the Lord Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary and entered the world. The agreement between the Father and the Son, we learn from verse 29, it involves the Father giving certain people, and Jesus calls these people his sheep. The Father gives certain people that his sheep to his Son, who is the shepherd. And once again, the Lord Jesus highlights how intentioned the Father was, how he had a specific purpose when he sent his Son into the world, and how they are united in their work and in their love for everyone who belongs and who believes in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But the connection to the Father and the Son goes beyond just perfect work and purpose and intention to, uh, to preserve God's flock. And the Lord Jesus fully reveals his glory when he repeats what he said several times before. In verse 30, he said, I and the Father are one. What does Jesus mean when he said that he and the Father are one. Does it mean that they are actually identical or that they are different but just closely related because they're doing the same work like, like a father and a son in the same trade? Or is there more that can be said about the relationship between God the Father and God the Son? Well, it is striking that the word one that the Lord Jesus used, the specific form of this word one, does not allow us to translate that the Son and the Father are one and the same person, as if there was no distinction between them. This is consistent with the context where there clearly is a distinction between the Father and the Son, because the Father sends his Son to do this task. And later, while he's doing it, the son prays to the father. However, the Lord Jesus does say they are one, which although it does not mean that they are interchangeable and indistinguishable, does still allow them both to have one hand. For Jesus later says that the sheep who are in God's hand are simultaneously in the hand of the Son and of the Father. And since everyone knew that God the Father is divine, he's God, and that there can not be two who are greater than all, 
we see that once again, Jesus Christ declares to the world what we read in John 1 verse 1, the Word was God. And He is the I Am, the Lord, who was before Abraham was born. John 8 verse 58. The Lord Jesus then reveals that there is a distinction of persons within the unity of the essence because he uses two different names, Father and I. Well, at the same time, he speaks of a unity. Look at verse 38. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. There is one hand that is of the Father and the Son, who each have different roles in the one work of caring for you, the sheep. And the gospel is that this obedient son is the one whom God promised in Psalm 82, who would come to judge the nations and bring their inheritance to them. So you can take out your Bible. We look at that. This promise was highlighted. You can open your Bible in Psalm 82. And you see here that the Lord Jesus is, is highlighting the promises when the Jews picked up stones and told them it's not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself God. That's in verse 33. In his reply that you can read in verses 34 to 36, the Lord Jesus points to Psalm 82. That's now open in front of you. And he points to Psalm 82 to show that it is not so strange that he calls himself the Son of God. And he says it's not so strange because it has been done before in the Old Testament. He says in your law. He, he means the scriptures of the, of the Israelites. And then he shows that it, there's a mention here of, of sons of God and, and of gods, referring to men. But he also uses this psalm to teach them even more about who he is. You can see that now in Psalm 82, the first verse. God begins, the, the psalm begins with God taking his place in the divine council, which is explained in the same verse as being in the midst of the gods where he holds judgment. Well, who are these gods? If you look at verses two to four, you can see that the, the so-called gods are the unjust judges on earth. And then in Psalm 82, verse 5, the Lord condemns the judges because they have no knowledge or understanding. Knowledge or understanding. Now, if you remember your text in John 10, verse 38, you remember that the Lord Jesus uses the same word pair, knowledge and understanding. And he uses that to describe the Jewish leaders. They didn't have it. And so the Lord Jesus makes a very clear connection between the unjust judges who are called gods in Psalm 82 and the Jewish leaders who are around him who are like hired hands and who care nothing for the sheep. And so now let's go back to the temple. The Pharisees were going to stone Jesus because he called himself the Son of God. But Jesus shows them that if they were to stone everyone that Scripture calls gods and sons of the Most High, they would have to stone themselves too because the stones in their hands 
were poised to kill an innocent man who had displayed the works of God on earth in miracles that testified that the Pharisees were unjust judges. As Jesus then points this out, he's like that judge. The judge promised in Psalm 82, verse 8. He tells the Jews that they, if they persist in this rebellion, will fall like any prince. He is the judge that the church prayed for at the end of the psalm. What a blessing for the sheep. We can think, for example, of the blind man who had left the synagogue to follow Jesus, but all the sheep. What a blessing for the sheep who followed Jesus to hear that their good shepherd was one with the Father in their love for them, and then to see this shepherd take hold of them and hold them in their hand to protect them against the attack these unjust judges, these wicked leaders. We see the Father in the Son's hand is the one place for the sheep. There's no salvation outside of God's grace shown to us in the work of the Father and the Son. There's no salvation outside of that. It's a hard thing to say. It's a hard thing to hear. Jesus told the Jews surrounding him that kept asking him if he was the Christ. He told them that they are not his sheep because they don't believe that he is the Christ. He didn't say that they were not his sheep because they didn't understand, but he said that they are not his sheep because they did not believe. Now perhaps you are a visitor today and, and you read that and you were wondering, still seeking to learn about the, the gospel. You have many questions. Or perhaps you haven't made the commitment yet because you aren't even sure who, who God is. You must not take these words of Jesus to mean that you can't ask questions to learn more. God is gracious God is patient with those who are coming to the church, to those who are growing up in the faith. And it's good to study and ask questions and learn more about the gospel. It's the only way to come to know the Lord. The Psalms in the Old Testament, spoken by believers, are full of questions. Believers, as believers we know, we are always asking the Lord questions. The catechism that's used to instruct the youth. They're, 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 it's full of questions. The Holy Spirit uses good questions to help us grow. However, in our text, the Lord Jesus is talking about the kind of question asked by those who don't believe the answer. Asked by people who don't want to make a commitment to the obvious truth. Jesus is thinking of a situation that could be compared to someone who's going for a walk with a group of people and he comes up to a, a swinging bridge. And then he asks, like any of us should ask, is, is it safe? And then people all around him start showing how safe 
this bridge is, how thick the rope is, how new the ropes are, how short the span is. But this man just keeps asking, but is it safe? Someone says, well, I'll go across, I'll show you. And two or three people go across and they jump on it and he stands there and he goes, is it safe? Is it safe? Well, we know that such a person does not lack knowledge about the bridge, but he lacks faith that the bridge will hold him. Or perhaps we can think of a hungry sheep out in a field that has danger all around him. A sheep who hears the shepherd calling to him and showing him the way to a sheepfold. The question is, how much time can he spend observing and asking if the shepherd will be good to him before lack of knowledge disappears and his repeated questions simply show a lack of faith? Jesus said that those who keep asking him if he is the Christ, he says that they are not his sheep because they have shown by their unbelief, by their refusal to obey his voice and to follow him, they've shown they are not his sheep. Brothers and sisters, this makes us think about our own lives. Jesus said that his sheep are those who not only hear his voice, not only those who make sure they look nice for Sunday and gather together to, to hear the, the proclamation of the gospel, but also those who commit themselves 100% to this gracious shepherd, who give their lives to him and leave behind everything else. And when God's people learn to trust completely in the word, to, to, to leave the world and, and to jump into his hand, they will also experience the amazing comfort and the blessing of abundant life that our Lord Jesus promises. In John 10, verse 28, he says to his sheep, I will give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Reminding us of the, the promise in Isaiah 49, verses 15 and 16 that you saw displayed on the wall here as you were walking in, where God assures his people that he will not forget them because he has engraved them on the palms of his hands. Jesus Christ tells his church that they are in the hands of the most powerful, most divine, sovereign God. And none can ever pluck them from his hand because he is greater than all. No power or force can stand up against God and succeed because Christ Jesus has fully fulfilled the divine will, the plan of his almighty Father. He has given his life for us. And no wolf or no thief is stronger than God to, to pluck a sheep out of his hand. Since God does the holding, and it is his hand that secures us, it doesn't depend on us holding on to him. 
It is his hand that secures us. Brothers and sisters, our weakness does not exclude us. He carries the little lambs in his arms. And our sinful attempts to plunge ourselves into danger can't confound him. He simply pulls his little sheep back. And Jesus' sheep know that their lives don't depend on their own strength, but completely and totally on the grace of God. And so as Paul says, we boast in our weakness. It's harder than you think. It's very strange in today's world. But as a church, we boast in our weakness because we declare the power of God. If we believe the God who revealed himself in Isaiah 41, in John 10, it means we also believe that we are by nature rebellious sinners who are still weak and dependent completely on him. And then we are richly comforted by the promise of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We see grace. And brothers and sisters, don't forget this promise. Don't let the truth of Jesus' words fail to amaze you. But let that picture of being secure in the hand of the Almighty and loving God the Father and Son, let it be a very real picture that accompanies you, that, that's with you in everything you do. You can picture, you can see his hand holding your family. You can see it under your home, or under your car as you're driving around, under your place of work, under your government, under your country. That's behind everything. The one who is greater than all has it all in his hands and he looks at you as his sheep. That means he looks at you with his eternal love and he delights in you and he protects you from all harm as he carries you from today into eternal life. You could see why we're Christians. You could see why we're so joyful to be serving this Lord and this Father. Be a people walking and living and seeing the hand of the sovereign and almighty God. The sheep that the Father has given to the Son know where they need to be because the Father has given them all to his Son. And his son knows them. And his son calls them by name. And they hear his voice in the preaching and they follow him. They do what it is that to be done as a Christian. And after the Lord Jesus then made these public statements about who he was and what he had come to do, we read in the very sad, sad verse 39, that although the Jews didn't try to stone him again, they were seeking to arrest him. They were plugging their ears. They didn't want to hear. 
after three years of hearing the preaching and seeing the signs of our Lord Jesus Christ, these lost sheep rejected their shepherd and they resisted and persisted in their unbelief. It's hard for a proud person to be a sheep. It is hard for a proud person, somebody who's done a lot, to remove his trust in his own accomplishments, to give up his money and his apparent comforts of his life, and to follow Jesus into the desert, back to the baptism of repentance where John was. That's where the Lord Jesus went. He left the temple. He went to the desert by the Jordan where John the Baptist first met him. And who went to join him? It was a humble. It was the repentance. Those who were not afraid of that, the waters of the Jordan where there was the, the repentance, the baptism of repentance. Those who recognized that it was not in themselves but in the Lamb of God who fulfilled John's preaching. Those who believed in Jesus. They didn't need any signs from John to know that Jesus was Lord as they came to his arms, his open arms, and they rejoiced in the eternal love and the eternal protection that they were promised in him. And brothers and sisters, they were secure in the hand of God the Father and God the Son. His voice, the shepherd's voice, calls to the world. The shepherd's voice also comforts those who are in his hand. And may all God's sheep, wherever they are in this journey of life, may they hear his voice, trust in him, and find the source of eternal joy and everlasting comfort. For God has said it, and the scriptures don't lie. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is secure forever in the hand of God the Father and God the Son. Let us rejoice and praise our triune God for all the comfort and the peace that we may enjoy in every moment in our lives. Amen.